Welcome to A Canadian Investing in the U.S., a podcast and YouTube channel focused on Canadians buying real estate with host Glenn Sutherland. Happy Halloween. Welcome to another episode of Canadian Investing in the U.S. I am taking this hat off. I thought I could do it, but I can't. I just want to start this episode off by thanking everyone for all the emails and mostly emails, some phone calls, but mostly emails that I've received from uh, people who listen to the podcast. I know a lot of people have asked for contacts and uh, the the list of all the people I work with, and I am going to get back to you. It's been a backload of just a pile of emails I've gotten. There's been quite a few of you that have emailed me, and I just haven't had time recently. I just returned from the States, and I was down in Nashville, Tennessee, and Huntsville, Alabama, looking at properties. I toured ooh, probably at least 12 single-family homes and uh, a 12-plex and looked at a bunch of four-plexes and I purchased a few of the homes. I thought that there might be like some takeaways that uh, the listeners might, you guys might like to hear about from the thing. So I, I brought in my like orange book and I will show you kind of how I prepared for going down to the States and then I'll go over some of the things that I, uh, some of the notes I made on my phone while I was down there about things that people may not know about the whole process for everything I did. This isn't going to be the full uh, episode of what I did down there. I'm planning on making like at least a single episode um, with the pictures of the properties I toured. So if you watch this on YouTube, you'll see the pictures in, not this episode, this one's not going to have much visuals besides me. But the future episodes are going to have the whole tour of the properties and what I liked and why I bought the properties I did. But that is not this episode. This episode is sort of the prep and some of the things to know before going down to the States. Basically, when I before I go down there, I get prepared. So I don't know if I, I was planning on blocking out all the names. So maybe I'll do this. So this is the actual book of what I used when I was purchasing properties in the States. So... Uh, what I do down the left column, I've wrote down, well, I've wrote down the, the age of the house. So it's like what year the house was built. It's sort of like a, a summary sheet. Uh, what I'm covering up is all the addresses that I viewed. Um, and so that is in there. Beside that, you'll see that I put numbers beside each of the properties. And what corresponds to the map, because I like to take a map of Huntsville and it shows all the properties that I'm planning on touring down there. Another thing I like to keep, just to try and uh, keep things on a nice even, you know, just just keep myself organized. So I keep track of the the taxes, what the monthly taxes are for the properties. So you can see like there is 68, 45, 32, 54. So they're pretty low, but they do vary from house to house. What the the bedrooms are, three bedrooms, uh, mostly, I, I mostly look for three bedrooms down there, but everyone can look whatever whatever they like I really just don't like one bedrooms I'm open to two or four or more but um, actually when you get too big you might have more maintenance but anyway uh, I really go for three bedrooms is my spot and then how many baths Uh, that is ideally two but it doesn't have to be two Um, I look at what I think the reno would be and that is basically just what uh, what I've gathered just from looking at the pictures online. So it's very vague, like I'm just putting a little note, like it's dated or I have no idea. And so it's just sort of a very, very rough estimate of how it's gonna go. Um, 
after that, uh, if you look at all the listings, um, or you can even do the math yourself, depending if it's an off-market deal or whatever, and you can get the, the dollars per square foot, so it's an easy way to sort of stack them up against each other. And my last column is for how many car garage the properties have. There's actually some other stuff that's in the book too. Maybe I'll show you here. I This is just an article I found on the school zones. So I keep track of the school zones. I went through Google and I've marked what the rating for each school zone is uh, on each for each place. Same thing. So this is like, these are the elementary ones. These are the middle school ones. These are the high school ones. And then I can, you know, basically figure out when I'm looking at a property, like if I actually like one, which the school zone is, is if I want to make a decision to buy something right away. Um, these are a bunch of other summaries for the pages. The other thing is back to the oops, cover that up. Back to my summary chart of the the pay, all the different things I do. It actually has the rent there too. Right beside the date, uh, I have the rent at the very start. Where I get that rent is I I personally like to get it from my property manager. I know that you could get it from uh, several websites. Here's uh, rentcheck.com, rentometer.com, but the reason I like to get it from the property manager is then it if it's the plant property manager I plan on using for the property then they kind of have an obligation to get me the kind of rent so if I say hey what's the rent for this plate property on 123 Main Street and they say oh that's a thousand dollars a month and then whenever I close the property they say it's only worth eight or it's only worth eight hundred dollars a month to rent then it's you know there's they kind of had to back it up because it I don't know. That just makes sense to me to get it from them instead of the websites. And in all honesty, it's probably easier to just send an email to them instead of typing the addresses into all these websites. Another thing that's in my book when I go is Google Maps. I like to, uh, I have all the property analysis. And so I run the properties for each property multiple times. So because I'm not sure how I'm going to close. So I want to put uh, financing, different financing options. And I usually do it based on what the asking price is, and then I can always beat that uh, so my numbers will get better. But just as a nice base, I use the, the asking price on wholesaler has provided or MLS or the pocket listing agent or whoever I'm using for the thing. I like to break it down in like usually for each property about four different ways. So I like to say if I bought it, with 100% cash, if I bought it with zero cash, so I used 100% financing, um, what I got with 80% loan to value and 65% loan to value, and I, I have a for every property I'm planning to view, I have it all in my my book there, and then at the very back of my book, I have a bunch of pages which are just like summary sheets, like sometimes like with pocket listings because it's not on the MLS or anything or sometimes with wholesalers they'll give you a bunch of extra information so it'll be like a breakdown of the property sometimes it's pictures um, it's just more of a the summary sheet that kind of equivalent to the the MLS listing and if it is on the MLS I'll take print out the MLS listings too so I just have a good organized chunk to go through so some of you may have picked up that I was talking about different types of spots to buy the real estate and there's going to be different agents. There will be different agents for each part. If you're using a, you know, a pocket listing agent for a specific property, you may have an agent for your single family homes that you're going to look for. You may have one who specializes in the multifamilies. And like for me, I was looking at all different types of things 
And I think the thing to do is to be clear with the agent who is uh, going to show you the properties because everybody needs to get paid and everyone needs to know what's actually going on. So if you're going using an agent and you're like, I'm going to take you, I'm only using you for this pocket listing, make sure that they know you're only using you for this pocket listing and you are do have an agent for other things, but they're okay if you find a pocket listing that's not on uh, realtor.com that you will be using them if they bring the deal and you can sign paperwork and you can sign your uh, buyer representation agreement but just I wrote very specific clauses into each one like I told them when the first time they sent me one and this is just a general one like oh we're gonna have you under contract until December I said no you cross it off and you say I'm, I'm only doing uh, this property and this property or pocket listings that you bring me that aren't on realtor.com and just to be just be clear and then if you have I personally used for the single-family homes my uh, property manager because property managers in the United States uh, do have a license to do real real estate because they have to um, so I use them and it works good because it's they're fully accountable because they're they know the whole process they know what I've paid for it they know what I'm expecting to get for it and what I've been told for rents and that's why I like to use them for that, and I use the separate people for the multis and uh, separate people for pocket listings, and uh, basically I was on my own for the uh, uh, wholesalers. But with wholesalers, you can still use your realtor, but just let them know. Just be clear with everybody that uh, you, know, you will make your money if I buy this property from being the property manager, but there's not gonna be, I'm not going to be paying you a commission to run these comps or anything else so make them sure they know that because they might be expecting to get paid for running comps for you on a side note uh for when you're buying these properties it is nice to have like an actual quote from like a handyman or a contractor about what this renovation is actually going to cost you the the thing about that is a lot of times the construction companies or handyman do not want to come unless you have the property under contract and even a lot of them, more than that, want the property closed in your name before they want to come. Uh, I have found if I want to have it under contract, if I write in a clause that I have as many viewings as possible, uh, like unlimited, to have uh, you know inspections done and to get quotes for, for the repairs, they're usually okay with it if there's no tenants, if it's a rental property currently. Sorry, this is kind of an unorganized rant, but I just thought of another thing to put in your orange book. Or at least mine's an orange book. Uh, one thing I like to take with me is a proof of funds letter. So if you are, wherever you're getting your money, so if you're looking at cash deals, like um, well, wholesaling ones are often cash deals, and often the um, short sales are cash deals. So you're going to need a proof of funds letter. So what I used for my proof of funds letter was I'm selling a property in Ontario right now, and the real or sorry the lawyer already has all the information. So I just said, hey, can you send me the, you know, basically the breakdown of how that whole real estate's going to go and how much is going to be paid to me at the end? And I just sent that as my proof of funds letter for the cash deals that I was doing in the states, and that worked perfectly fine. Um, other things you could do is like uh, print out bank statements if you have the cash in your bank you could print out um, line of credit statements or, or basically wherever you're getting the money for if it's not 
you're using like private money, that's where they're probably you, you might get into a spot where they don't believe you actually have the money to close. So, yeah, it's better to even if you're going to do that and you have the full intention to go buy in the states to first get the money transferred to your account so that you can prove that you actually have the money. I know it's a little risky because you may not uh, actually close something and then you've taken private money or whatever and you're starting to pay interest on it, but it, it's just part of the game, I guess. Another thing to think about is that there is a lot more seller financing in the States than there is in Canada. And actually a lot of the, if you can go on to realtor.com, you will see that a lot of, well, not a lot, some listings will say that they offer seller financing. Some people will take the seller financing if it's been sitting a while. The reason there is so much seller financing is because the properties are so much cheaper. So a lot more people are owning them in cash because they're not like half million dollar properties. We're talking $50,000 and they've got them paid off. So another thing to think about whenever you're making an offer, because you can always buy it, um, you know, reno it, and then put your uh, refinance on the property when you're going through that whole stage. But sometimes it's nice to just be able to close with financing right from the get-go. And I found a, with the typical numbers that the uh, people are willing to do for seller financing or vendor take back is 6%, usually a 30-year term, but sometimes they'll do, not actually, store, usually it's a 20-year term, but sometimes they'll take 30 and 20% uh, down. But you really don't want to start with that as what your offer is for the, the financing because really with every negotiation there's the price and there's the terms so if they are hard on the price maybe you can use the terms to make it into a deal so you could make it so that you're paying very little amount of actual interest or uh, spread over a really long period of time so you're it, you're paying a very amount, low amount each month so that makes it into a very nice deal to cash flow for you but just think about that don't don't start with the typical uh, terms right off the start whenever you're making your offer Anyway, I think I'll close it off here. I still have a ton of notes of things to do in the States, but I think a lot of them I'm going to go along with my videos where I show the property and why I'm doing a certain type of financing because of a certain property type I'm buying. And so I think that it'll make a lot more sense to line it up with that instead of just giving you general information to give an example with the numbers. Anyway, thank you very much for tuning in to another episode. Um, what would really help me is if uh, people would leave uh, reviews or likes on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and YouTube. It, that's what really helps me get found by more people. Anyway, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Uh, and once again, thank you for your patience for those who have emailed me because like I said I've been doing all this paperwork and buying houses in the states and I haven't even been in Canada so I fell behind on uh, responding to some of the emails or I've given a very general response on the first go and I will get back to you with all the information you need thanks again everybody have a great week